After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter, and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Welcome once again, everyone, to a Baseball America podcast. I am John Manuel, nominally your host for this edition of the Baseball America podcast. Matt Eddy and Ben Baller are going to take you through. Between the two of them, they did four of our league top 20 prospects, which are online at baseballamerica.com and uh, top 10s included in the latest issue of Baseball America with Mad Bum, Madison Bumgarner on the cover. Uh, just 160 scouting reports, 170 counting indie ball. We'll let J.J. Cooper have his own indie ball podcast later on this year when everything else dies down. That might be your Christmas edition of the podcast uh, to take you through the holidays. But uh, Matt and Ben, uh, besides doing a lot of our top 30s by organization this offseason for the Prospect Handbook, each did a uh, rookie advanced league, the Appy League for Matt, Pioneer League for Ben, and they each did a more advanced league with Ben doing the AA Southern League and uh, Matt doing the International League. So without a little further ado, uh, we'll get back to we'll get to Matt and to Ben, and we'll start off, Ben, with you just uh, maybe talking a little bit about the difference and how different it is to do a league like the Southern League where we have a team here locally in Carolina where you can actually go see players with your own eyes, you can meet scouts face-to-face and discuss players with them uh, versus doing a league over the phone like the Pioneer League, basically sight unseen. Yeah, I think uh... – with the Southern League list, I think the, the Southern League probably is my, my favorite league to do among the two. Uh, obviously, like John said, you know, I, I have the kind of a unique perspective. You know, we have we have a Southern League team in, in Carolina, which is uh, now no longer a Marlins affiliate, looking like it's about to be a, an affiliate of the Cincinnati Reds now, so it's something to look forward to next year. But, uh, you know, with that league, it affords me the opportunity to go and see these players, not just for myself, but... You know, mostly just to, to talk to the scouts and managers, hitting coaches, pitching coaches there. Uh, so it, it allows you just to get a better feel for the players versus, you know, trying to evaluate some of the players playing the Pioneer League. Uh, crazy offensive environment, probably second only to the Cal League, uh, playing over in, in Wyoming in a league where mostly guys who are uh, just drafted or, or young guys who can't even be traded for yet, so teams mostly don't even scout that area. So the teams figure, all right, we'll just get them in, in instructs or we'll get them next year in a full season league. We can actually trade for them. Uh, but I was still able to talk to some scouts up there and, and talk to the managers and, 
you know, that's how that's basically how we put together the list at uh, any our top twenty prospects list for for the league by league list is just going to, you know, starting off, we know what they did this year and we we cover them throughout the year, but. Uh, you know, when we try to break it down for the league top 20s, we try to talk to the managers. We talk to all the the hitting coaches and the and the pitching coaches if we can if we can do that. Uh, try to di- break down their their own players as well as you know the other prospects who they've seen around the league. And from there, uh, maybe talk to a farm director or two if we need a little bit more information. Uh, and then the bulk of it comes too from talking to the scouts who you know are are seeing these guys uh, either year round or or in the second half of the year once they're done with their area coverage. Uh, from from scouting amateur players, uh, so we try to get as many opinions as possible, uh, and then weigh that with their performance record, not just from this year, but uh, from previous seasons, just to get the best gauge of their their current true talent and their their projected future true talent uh, in the big leagues, which is the most important. And uh, just trying to tie that all together. I know, obviously, Matt, you did the uh, the AAA list uh, for the International League and and for the Appy League too, as well. Uh, uh, I don't know if you agree or not that. Uh, Maybe a full season league is is more enjoyable versus uh, maybe one of the a smaller league like the Appy League that's a little more of a a little more of an interesting twist to it for you. Uh, for me, the 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 short season leagues have always uh, been a little more interesting for me because you get the fewer teams. You know, you're evaluating fewer players. You're you're there's less anguish in leaving players off the list because you can fit more people on. Uh, and and I was fortunate. In being able to see a lot of the, both of these teams have a lot, or both of these leagues have a lot of teams based in North Carolina, so I was able to see a number of the players uh, firsthand and talk to people who also had seen them firsthand. Let's um, let's let's talk specifically about some of the decisions you had to make in the Pioneer League. What what was the the most difficult uh, ranking decision you had to make for this group? I think in the in the Pioneer League, and it's I think like I mentioned in the the write up, it's a, it's kind of a tweener league. You know, the Rockies don't have a a GCL or an AZL team, so you know they send there like a William Rosario, number one prospect. He played in the league last year, and he didn't even uh, make the list. And everyone I talked to just raved about the strides that he made uh, defensively, but mostly offensively. At, I mean, at the plate, uh, the the strides that he made were just astounding. Because he's not a guy who's who has a chance to get, get his feet wet in the AZL. Uh, he's getting sent right to that league, having to deal with a, a largely American-born pitching staff. Uh, so it creates a lot of uh, you know a lot of tough decisions, or I shouldn't say a, a lot of a lot of dis- disparity in the in the ability of players in that league as opposed to as opposed to a true short-season league like the Northwest or the, the New York Penn League. But for me, I, I think that you know Kyle Russell is. I mean, he was he was only a, a you know a fourth rounder by the Cardinals, and then this June he went one round higher, uh, got four hundred ten thousand dollars. For me to, to to rank him, he was a he was a tough guy to rank, because if you're you know you're a college player, you know, obviously the power is there, and there's still the questions about his swing. He's a, a long armed guy, and he he performs, but when you're talking about Pioneer League performance, and you know the offensive environment there is just so high. Uh, it's tough to get a good gauge, and especially in a uh, a very limited sample of uh, a performance record to go on. Uh, I think that's what gets that's what gets lost. I think a lot of times is you know you look at the stats and oh this guy hit you know 390 and on base of 450 and he slugged 600. Well, it's it's 134 at bats. You wouldn't go pronouncing a you know there's a Alex Cora can go off and, and do that in a span of 134 at bats, and you're not going to go off. 
you know, pronouncing him as as one of the best players in the big leagues. You know, a lot of a lot of variance and a lot of goofy stuff basically can happen in that time span. I'm not trying to discredit anyone for having a a good year, but our goal really is to ultimately find who are going to be the best major leaguers. And and Russell is just a tricky guy because you know he was one of the higher draft picks in that league, but you know you're striking out a third of the time. I don't mind some strikeouts if you're a power hitter, but the ability to you have to be able to put the ball in play enough to be able to have a, a reasonable uh, on base percentage in the big leagues. Otherwise, it's just gonna it's just gonna kill that. Uh, DeVars Gordon was a guy who was drafted uh, one round after him, and uh, you know he, he was another draft pick by the Dodgers. But he's a unique situation because he was a, a JUCO kid who didn't qualify academically for his junior college, uh, yet he was. M- Tremendous athlete. Everyone I talked to really, really liked him, and he's just bone skinny. And I don't mean that in a negative way. I mean that as a positive thing because he's just going to fill out naturally and and gain more strength. Uh, he's already got a good feel for putting the ball in play. Obviously, uh, his dad is Tom Gordon, the the, the Phillies right-hander, so uh, the good bloodlines there. But uh, you know, he, I think Russell was one of the more tricky guys to rank, and then. And then really right at Russell was 10, really right after him. And that, that whole 11 to, geez, I don't know, 30 range even. A lot of guys are kind of, you know, fungible type uh, among each other. There's there's guys who are in the 20 to 30 range who, who may end up being better than the guys in the uh, uh, 11 to 19 or 11 to 20 range, uh, as it may be. Uh, not a lot separating those guys. You know, you don't get a lot of, if you look at the GCL or the AZL list, you're not going to get a lot of guys who are, you know, eighth round picks like a, like an Eric Komatsu was in the the Pioneer League list, but an eighth round pick out of college, right? An eighth round pick out of college, <laughs> exactly. I should say that. Um, so it's it's kind of a, a tricky league to do. Uh, I don't know if there was for you in the in the Appy League if there was any uh, any kind of you know we do a split decision when we when we did the top 100 list this year. Uh, I don't know if there was any internal split uh, decision with you in terms of. Uh, just a guy who who you kind of have some mixed feelings about, or maybe some some variability on on whether he you know either is just a flame out guy or maybe a guy with a high ceiling, uh, kind of a high risk high reward guy, or anyone else you might have just found interesting on that list. Yeah, the toughest player to evaluate in the top ten by far was Angel Morales, the um, Twins center fielder who was a third round pick in '07 out of the Puerto Rico Academy. Uh, the, the the difficult thing being. Power is tremendous, but like Kyle Russell, you know, three years younger, <laughs> he doesn't put the bat on the ball too much. He's uh, struck out in 40% of his at-bats, which is uh, rather rather high. It's higher than Cody Johnson, for example, who finished second in the minors in overall strikeouts. So a player like that who's got tremendous power, and he has and he has good range in center field. He runs okay. Yeah, a player like that, you wonder if the more advanced pitchers are going to be able to really exploit the holes in his swing. So for him, I put him eight, and a lot of people, a lot of people judging from the chat, thought that was a little low, you know, because the guy did hit what he hit, fifteen home runs, yeah, fifteen home runs in in sixty eight games, a sixty eight game schedule. So I mean, the power is there. He's he, he he's definitely interesting and and a player to watch. Uh, the the most controversial was definitely the number one spot between the two top candidates being Tim Beckham, the shortstop for the the Rays, who was taken first overall in June. And Wilmer Flores, uh, the Mets' 2007 sign out of Venezuela. Um, the, the Flores, hitting-wise, you know, hit circles around Beckham, but the the 
He's not he's not the athlete. He's not the quick twitch athlete like Beckham. He doesn't have the the true up the middle profile that Beckham has, and that was the difference. The difference there. Give us um, give us your personal favorite, like kind of an off the wall favorite from your from your Pioneer League list. An off the wall. I mean, the, the most interesting story is is Michael Cohn, uh, a right hand reliever uh, from the Angels, a guy who was a a position player at, at school in, in college, a four-year senior guy. Uh, usually that guy's not going to make the list. Uh, only threw 13 innings in college, uh, 13 innings or so, uh, but he's 90 to 95 off the mound. You know, he had a little shoulder tenderness, but, you know, the Angels saw him, saw him pitch well, and it's, a, it's a, just a good job of scouting to get a, you know, really later round pick like that, uh, give him a little bit of money, and, you know, he's out there throwing 90-95 out of the bullpen. So uh, to me, he's one of the one of the more interesting guys. Another kind of guy who I rolled the dice on. You know, didn't have a great year, but then again, you know, another catcher in that league last year didn't have a great year, William Rosario. But uh, rolled the dice a little bit on on Ross Mel Perez. He was a guy who uh, I believe signed for one hundred fifty thousand dollars a couple of years ago with the Diamondbacks. A uh, guy with an excellent feel for the strike zone. Uh, they've had success in Latin or in Venezuela in particular with the, the Diamondbacks signing guys like Gerardo Parra, uh, Carlos Gonzalez, you know, a couple other guys with, with pretty good feel for hitting and guys who were maturing. You know, Parra slowed down a little bit on the Southern League this year and actually didn't end up making my, making my list, but he was one of the, the close cuts for that list. But Perez is a guy with uh, good defensive ability. I think he's probably the best catcher in that system, perhaps, uh, in, in the Diamondback system, but... I just have a, you know, maybe he doesn't end up developing the strength to drive the ball and, and punish pitchers when they put the ball in the zone. Uh, we'll have to see how that plays out. But I, I think he's one of the guys uh, definitely worth following as a maybe a, I don't like using the word breakout candidate, but, you know, he's a guy who can make a, some pretty good strides and, and develop next year and, and uh, you know, really put himself a little bit more on more people's radar, uh, you know, once his, once his strength comes around and he starts to be able to drive the ball with a little more authority. Okay, let's turn our attention to the the higher levels, the Southern League in particular. You know, it's right up there for me, and I'm sure you feel the same way. It's right up there with the Eastern League in terms of being among the deepest in the minors. Um, let's start with the the most difficult ranking decision for you. Which which gave you the most? Which kept you up nights? I think they all did. <laughs> I was, uh, you know, I was for I don't know. I can't even. I don't have it all written down. How many games I went to? Probably somewhere between. I don't know, 30 and, and 50 games this year in the Southern League. So I was fortunate to be able to do that. Saw saw probably, just looking at the list right now, saw almost everyone. I saw Price in, in AAA, so I didn't see him in AA. But uh, I saw just about every player on this list uh, for that I ranked players for, um, except for Jeremy Hellickson. I think he's the one play And Tommy Hansen. Those are probably the two guys on this list who I did not see play. Uh, but but got good reviews on, put up you know obviously the excellent numbers this year. Uh, in terms of ranking guys, uh, I think just kind of sorting out some of the pitchers. You know, there's you start obviously there you start at the top with Clayton Kershaw and David Price. I mean those guys uh, one two for me in the whole league. Uh, the only separator for me Kershaw a little bit younger already having the success in the big leagues. Price did miss a little bit of time earlier in the season. Obviously, everyone's just going to forget about that. But uh, I don't think health is a big concern going forward for him. But, you know, he does throw the slider. It was an elbow injury. Uh, they're obviously not going to say it's a serious thing or anything like that. 
He is still back to throwing mid-90s fastballs, but uh, it is any time a guy has an elbow or a shoulder injury for me, uh, it, it is a concern. Uh, you know, he did rank number two. I really do like him. So uh, we just present the strengths and the weaknesses. So uh, I do really like him a lot. Uh, beyond that, you know, then you have Chris Volstad, a guy who was, I was able to see pitch several times this year. Uh, I think if you're going to be uh, uh, myopic and, and just look at the, the strikeout rate or something like that, you're, you're kind of missing the picture. This guy has above-average stuff across the board. He has a, He's not going to strike guys out because he has a, a lethal sinker that he comes way downhill from his six foot eight frame. Uh, and then if he wants to finish you off with a strikeout, if he doesn't get the ground ball out early in the count, he's going to finish you off. He's got a plus changeup. He's got a plus curveball, which is actually his number two pitch. Uh, so he was a guy who I decided to rank ahead of guys like Tommy Hansen, Wade Davis, uh, James McDonald, another guy I really like, Jeremy Hellickson, uh, some good arms in that league. Uh, you know, there's some good arms, too, who who didn't make the list. Uh you know, like you said, it really was. In my opinion, it was a little bit deeper than the Eastern League. I like, I like obviously the Eastern League is is pretty deep with talent, uh, especially when you got a, uh, you know, a guy like Pablo Sandoval kind of round out the end of the list. Uh, you know, a personal favorite of mine. So uh, those are some of the the difficult decisions for me. Uh, you know, Matt, doing the internationally, you get to see some of the players as well yourself. Um, you know, kind of a. I would say it's it's less deep than the Southern League, and I, I think I'm being generous by saying that. Yes. Um, unfortunately, with the way the, the league being 14 teams, uh, 14 teams big, the, the league has gone to a schedule where they face mostly division opponents, so we did not get to see a lot outside of the Southern Division. Um, and, and you are correct. If, if you scan the 11 to 20 of the of the IL list, it, it doesn't hold a candle to those Double A leagues. Um, as much as I like like Brett Gardner and Chris Getz for their for their ability to get the most out of out of what they have, you know they don't really stack up with the uh, the second tier prospects in other leagues. And was there uh, you know when you look at the at least looking at the the top ten guys in that list? I mean, there's definitely some uh, some pretty electric talent there. Uh, guys like Jay Bruce and and McCutcheon, and and obviously Bruce is no longer a prospect, but. Uh, when we do our league, so he won't be in our, our top 100 prospects list when the uh, when the season ends and the and the 2009 prospect handbook comes out. Uh, but he was eligible for the international league list just because of uh, the playing time that he accrued uh, there. But uh, you know, it seems like there's some some pretty good guys with with Bruce and McCutcheon and Span. It seems like there's some some pretty good talent there, especially uh, in the outfield. And we're starting to see that, especially with with Span now, uh, you know, exceeding a lot of people's expectations and. Uh, you know that game for the Twins last night was was pretty awesome to to watch. Uh, you know, how would you say how how some of these guys, uh, especially the outfielder, would uh, do you expect them to to come along? Yeah, this Denard Span, the the Twins uh, first rounder in O two, is is definitely the the biggest breakout candidate this side of Charlie Morton, and also one of the best players in the league. You know, you you could argue I didn't give him enough credit here. I ranked him eight behind a guy Neil Walker who did not perform, but who is two years younger. Uh, that, you could argue that way, but Denard Span, you know, he always had the good batting eye, but this year, you know, just you know, it's it's he's always been a quick twitch at- athlete who could uh, manage the strike zone, but this year he just put it together with the bat. You know, the power started to blossom more in the doubles and triples, not really in driving the ball over the wall, but 
you know, and, and he's and he's got that plus plus range, good arm. He's played mostly right field for the Twins. He shows off that arm as as much as he can. Um, so for me, he was the guy. The other guy, um, David Huff, the left-hander for for the Indians. This guy, if anybody in, anybody on this list, I'd feel comfortable being a quality number three starter in the major leagues. It's it's David Huff. You know, four pitches for strikes, commands them all pretty well. You know, and he's the, they really tightened up the sharpness on both of his breaking balls, which has really made him much more deadly against lefties. Something you can knock him for in the past, and he's got that fastball changeup combination for the for the right-handed batters. He's he's one to watch definitely. Mm-hmm. And then uh, you know, Span obviously a very exciting player. Uh, I think that brings us to one of our our emails today uh, from Joe in Maryland. Uh, he says, "Kudos on the great tools edition of the recent." Baseball America edition. Uh, in keeping with that theme, and just for fun, I was curious who you would select in some of these categories without regard to classification. Uh, any nights, uh, or I should say, notes the best hitting prospect in all of the minors, best power, uh, most exciting player. And that starts with uh, that kind of goes back to our best tools issue, which uh, kind of starts, uh, kind of kicks off our league top 20s. I mean, we obviously follow the the minor league prospects all season long and, and during the off season as well. Uh, but, you know, what, what happens is we start by doing the best tools list. We send out a survey to all the managers in the league, uh, cross-check it with some scouts for some, you know, some tiebreakers or some second opinions. Uh, but those are mostly decided by uh, the managers within the league. Uh, the most exciting player in the Southern League was Alcides Escobar, and I I completely agree with that. I would say he's probably the most exciting player uh, in the minor leagues to watch. Uh, he's just a, a phenomenal, phenomenal defender at shortstop. If he was in the big leagues right now, which he is in the big leagues right now, but if he was in the big leagues all year, let's say, uh, I have I have no doubt that he'd be an above at one of the top, one of the top probably in my opinion five big league defensive shortstops. Uh, he really is is that phenomenal. Uh, he could win. I mean, he's, he's got some stiff competition with Troy Tulowitzki uh, in the National League, but he's a guy who should win gold gloves, multiple gold gloves, uh, tremendous range, outstanding footwork, a plus-plus arm, hands work well, range to both sides, uh, line drives, ground balls, cleans up everything. Uh, he's got Matt Gamble to his right, uh, so he, maybe he gets a few more balls in the hole there. But, uh, you know, everything he does defensively is is just outstanding to watch. Uh, he runs well. He does the little things well, bunts, uh, steal bases. Uh, but even more so than that, he's a 21-year-old who, who hit over 300. Uh, you know, not a lot of power, not a lot of, not a lot of walks, but he hits all types of pitches, and that's the thing with him. You know, maybe he won't. Uh, he won't walk, you know, a hundred times a year. He's never going to do that. But he'll put the ball in play frequently enough because of his his ability to. He still does recognize pitches fairly well and, and puts the bats of the ball, uh, no matter if it's fastball, slider, changeup, breaking ball, whatever it is. You know, he'll put the ball in play. He'll get on base that way. He has gained a little bit of strength from the season before, uh, so he does have the ability to punish punish pitchers when they do attack him in the zone. Uh, you know, all around for me, that's uh, that makes him. For me, the most exciting player that I watched this year, and and probably the most exciting player in in all of the minor leagues. What do you think for best hitter? 
I mean, best hitter, it's 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 tough because there's so many guys who, uh, uh, you know, I, I don't know if maybe necessarily best hitter is a uh, is this guy because because of how frequently he strikes out. If we're just talking about, you know, the pure hit tool, but just a, a great swing, Travis Snyder. Um, it's it's hard to it's hard to come away not liking stuff that he does at the plate, uh, w- w- with his with his ability to to just hit. I mean, he's he's not gonna be any great shakes in the field, but you know we can see already what he's doing in the big leagues as a as a hitter, twenty uh, year old hitter, twenty year old hitter, one of the youngest guys in the big leagues right now. Uh, it's it's really phenomenal to see what he's doing. I don't think anyone's surprised that he's. Uh, going to be a very good hitter too in the future, uh, given what he's he's done obviously in uh, in the blue for the Blue Jays and the low minors as well. But I mean, he's just he's just an outstanding hitter. Yeah, he was going to actually be my pick for most exciting player, but kind of a, a different a, a different visual than you would expect. You know, you're expecting the up the middle guy who runs and plays defense, but I mean, the ability to hit for average and power is is pretty rare, and he's got that. Mm-hmm. And for for power, for me, I mean, I don't know. That's tough because there's so many. There's a lot of guys who have a lot of power, and then also strike out a lot and don't really put the ball in play. And uh, it's a lot of raw power, but maybe not game power. One guy for me who who does stand out though, and uh, let's see, it's still September, so he's still 18. Is uh, Mike Stanton, the the center fielder slash uh, corner outfielder for the Marlins that they had in Greensboro. Uh, ranked uh, in the South Atlantic League list, he was uh, he was the number three prospect in that list. His power and the Greensboro ballpark, the ball carries really well there, but his numbers this year were unbelievable. He's six foot five, huge frame, athletic ability. This guy hit the ball. I was at the South Atlantic League All Star game where he was in the home run derby, even though he wasn't a South Atlantic League All Star. Uh, <laughs> I guess it was just because of his home park, but he was hitting balls further than anyone. I mean, maybe Michael Bur- Michael Burgess was there. Maybe he maybe he had a you know comparable power. Uh, Hayward was there too, and Montero. Those guys have some some pretty serious power. It was just a phenomenal league that year, but uh, or this year I should say. But Mike Stan already 18 with uh, at least plus plus power, and he's just going to grow into more power in the future as he continues to to fill out and mature. Uh, what he can do in, at the plate, you know, obviously he strikes out a lot. I'm not as concerned about that with him versus a guy like, you know, Kyle Russell perhaps because uh, of Stanton's youth, his athleticism. Uh, he doesn't he also doesn't strike out quite as frequently as Russell. But uh, just the things he can do uh, at the plate is just, just really outstanding. And for me, his power is truly, uh, truly prodigious. You know, it's funny, you could nominate – Orioles catcher Matt Weeders for all three of these categories yeah. and still present a pretty legitimate case as most exciting, best hitter, and best power. And and what if he didn't have to catch every day? You know, maybe maybe those tools, those hitting tools, would be even more manifested than they are. Mm-hmm. I think that with Weeders, what's incredible is that you know, if let's say Weeders can't catch anymore for 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 whatever reason and he has to move to first base, he's still he's still one of the top twenty twenty five prospects in baseball. For me, I mean, it's his offensive skill set is phenomenal, and then when you just add the, you know, the above average defense to that, uh, I mean, I don't think there's any, I don't even think it was really close in minor in our minor league player of the year discussion. Uh, who who to give it to? 
Uh, so, uh, we could talk all day about all the good things that Matt Wieters does, uh, but he, you're right. He's definitely exciting offensively and and defensively, and really, really one of the really the best of a, a great minor league uh, uh, catching crop right now. Well, all right. I think we've run out of things to to talk about here. I mean, unless unless you had more to talk about in the Pioneer League. Uh, I think uh, we wrapped up the Pioneer League in the in the list and the in the chat. Uh, you know, we're on the we're doing the high A leagues right now. Uh, already got the California and the the Carolina league out of the way, so we'll be in the the FSL list up and then move up to to Double A AA and Triple A. Um, you know, I think the Double A lists are for me the the most interesting to see because uh, that's where most of the talent is. Uh, you know, guys who are going to be ready to maybe to make the leap to the big leagues next year. If you're interested in uh, who might, you know, what rookies might impact your, you know, your own favorite team next year in, in 2009. Uh, you know, if you look at the Double A list, guys who are on the top, or even the back end guys who just had had good years. Uh, I know from from doing the Southern League list, kind of rolled the dice a little bit on the back of the the back of the list. Maybe not in the the classic way that you think of rolling the dice on a, you know, a a five tool guy or a raw toolsy guy. Uh, I'm kind of a sucker for a guy with a, a good swing and a outstanding feel for the strike zone. Uh, that's what Michael Brantley has. That's what Luis Valbuena has. You know, so these guys were able to get onto my list. I see them. You know, if Brantley ever develops some power uh, and some better instincts in center field, he could be a, an outstanding player. Uh, there's obviously some risk there because maybe that never happens. <laughs> maybe he just flames out and uh, you know is only a, a serviceable bench player or something like that. And the same with Valbuena, but, uh, you know, those are two guys who, uh, you know, there's some harder throwers in the league, guys like Pareda, uh, Ryan Tucker, uh, and other guys like Chris Valaika and and Gerardo Parra, guys with good feel for hitting, guys uh, maybe who don't jump out at you with the tools, although obviously Parra has a, a plus-plus arm. Uh, but guys who, who didn't make the list, who I still think are going to be good big leaguers, you know, we cut the list off at 20, but I think it's it's important to remember that, you know, we could cut it off at, you know, 23. I think that would just be odd for some people to see that. You know, it's not just these are the 20 good players in the league and everyone else is not worth thinking about. That's why we go 30 deep in each organization when we, when we do our prospect handbook. Uh, and even then, sometimes it's it's sometimes not even enough to, to get all the guys in there. Uh, so just because guys not in the top 20 prospects list, especially in a a deep league like one of these double A leagues uh, doesn't mean we don't like them or anything like that. Uh, it's just a tough league. It's just tough to to get everyone on there and uh, to really wrap up the list. So uh, there's a lot of guys. Basically, it was just what I'm trying to say is guys who don't make the list who we still like and could be you know average above average even all stars uh, down the line. Uh, but sometimes it's just a matter of stacking them up against the, all the talent within the league itself. Yeah, and the other great thing about double A is you get more prospects to qualify for these lists, which requires one plate appearance per league game. It's like if these guys get bumped to AAA for the final month of the year, they often don't qualify in the AAA leagues, mm-hmm. but they almost always do in AA. And the other great thing is there are three AA leagues, so you get to spread it around further than you do at, at low A and AAA in particular. Um, I think we're done singing the praises of the AA level. Um, for uh, for Ben Vather. I'm Matt Eddy, and thank you for listening. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, 
better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.